I am your host, Matt Benarchek. It is Tuesday, October the 20th, 2020. And good evening, everybody. And yes, there is a lot of crying going on in the Delaware Valley this week. Yes, there is. And I'm here uh, to not add to that crying, but I'm here to add a, uh, a breakdown, as I usually do every week coming off of an Eagles game. And this week, it is the breakdown of the Eagle Ravens game that went down on Sunday at the link, and the Philadelphia Eagles fell to the Baltimore Ravens 30-28. to But that is not the story. Absolutely not the story here in Philadelphia this week. The story is the moral victory narrative. That is the second straight week now that we here in the Delaware Valley are clinging to this moral victory and a great fight by an undermatched team, or sorry, an overmatched team, and how in the end they fell in their pursuit of a improbable victory, which is hooey, okay? It is hooey. There is no moral victories, as I've stated, and there's no column in the standings where moral victories go. There's just wins, losses, and ties. And on Sunday, the Eagles lost. Now, did they fight? Yes. Were they overmatched? Yes. At the end of the game, were they left with a bunch of guys on the starting on the football field that didn't belong in the NFL? Absolutely, yes. Uh, coming up ahead on Thursday night against the Giants, are, are we, am I concerned that we're going to go back out on that field with those same guys? Yes. But you know what? It's the National Football League. Uh, you are supposed to, as an organization, be prepared for these types of things. The injury bug in this town is nothing new. Matter of fact, if there's any team in the National Football League that should be akin to dealing with massive injuries, by this point, it should be the Philadelphia Eagles. It has been the theme for the last three seasons. So to get, again, into a situation where we are here in 2020, five games in, or sorry, six games in now, and we are still faced with the fact that the cupboards are bare when it comes to depth, is unacceptable. And I know a lot of people in this town have been like, well, you know what? They're gutsy, and they're calling Carson Wentz Rocky Balboa, which he was on Sunday. Carson Wentz took a beating on Sunday. He was knocked down 16 times. He was sacked six times. But he kept coming back. 
Now, as for the game, uh, the game, the score of 30 to 28 is not indicative of the actual game. It wasn't. Uh, the game was pretty lopsided for about three quarters in favor of the Ravens. Uh, but I think at, at a certain point, maybe in the middle of the third quarter, uh, the Ravens had gotten up to a 30 to 14 lead. Uh, and they began to kind of smell themselves a little bit. Or was it 31 to 14? What was that lead in the third quarter? Let me give me let's check that real, real quick. Yeah, it was 30 to 14. And I believe they they, they they kind of started to smell themselves a little bit. And they kind of took the foot off the, the gas a little bit. Oh, this was early in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. Uh, then they took the foot off the gas, actually, the entire second half. I think when they came back out on the field after halftime, they felt that the Eagles were beat. The Eagles were not beat. Uh, not from, not in a long, in, in, in any sense of the word. <clears throat> but we'll... We'll talk that here in a second, and we'll break this thing down quarter by quarter, stat by stat, player by player. Let me get right off to the actual, like, kind of meat and bone stats. Uh, Carson Wentz threw for 213 yards for two touchdowns, was sacked six times, as I mentioned. He uh, he also fumbled the ball once, um, which means, again, he is now accountable for yet another turnover. No interceptions on the day, but there were a few that were called back. But he did, um, he did not – get accounted for an interception. Miles Sanders had nine rushes for 118 yards. He had another 74-yard run today, or yesterday, or Sunday, sorry. Uh, but this time the ball came out towards the, um, as he was getting ready to go in the end zone, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, that's right, I did say his name, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, was on, was Johnny on the spot, or I guess in this case, J.J. on the spot, and he recovered the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. Miles Sanders those would, would leave the game at a certain point, uh, with an injury, and we'll get more into that here in a second as well. Uh, the other rushing stats for this team were pretty pathetic. Uh, Carson Wentz had five rushes for 49 yards, mostly running for his life. Uh, Jalen Hurts, which was an interesting story in this game, uh, had two rushes for 23 yards, and Boston Scott, who, let's face it, folks, what a difference a season can make. Boston Scott is not the guy he was last year, and I guess that's the reason why Boston Scott was on the practice squad. Well, he contributed with two rushes for four yards. On the receiving side of things, Travis Fulgham, yet another solid game. Six receptions for 75 yards and another touchdown. Uh, John Hightower. John Hightower, one, one catch for 50 yards. Should have been two catches for probably about 150 yards. Um, and we'll get into that here in a second as well. Uh, Zach Ertz, four receptions for 33 yards. Had a little bit of life in this game. Uh, was targeted actually 10 times. Um, but still, Zach, Zach's not right. And Zach's out. He got hurt in this game. Uh, Richard Rodgers, Greg Ward, Boston Scott, Jason Groom, or Kroom, not Groom, sorry, Kroom. I got to learn new names every week now. I had a catch for three yards and a touchdown. Uh, again, Jalen Hurts uh, had one reception for three yards. J.J. Arthur, Whiteside, though he did not have any catches on the day. As I said, he did recover that fumble in the end zone for the touchdown, and he actually converted a two-point conversion, so pretty good. Um, and Miles Sanders had one reception for negative six yards, and we'll talk a little bit about that. On the other side of the field, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, really Lamar Jackson did not play a good game. Um, no, 186 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked three times himself. His, QB, his quarterback rating was only 92.5. Carson's was at 84.7. J.K. Dobbins, um, 
uh, led the team in rushing uh, nine attempts for uh, 28 yards. In receiving, it was Marquise Brown, four receptions, 57 yards, was the was the big target there for Lamar. As I said, with not really a um, a great game from Lamar Jackson. So about this game. So the game began as it really has for the Eagles all season long. The Eagles, uh, the Ravens had won the toss, deferred. Eagles went a pitiful three and out on their first series. Uh, the, the first series was highlighted by a Carson Wentz sack on the first play of the game, a run by Miles Sanders that lost six yards, and then, then a pass. So let me kind of take you through this. Carson Wentz goes back, lets it fly. A beautiful, beautiful long pass. It probably went about 45 yards in the air. And it had John Hightower out on the wing, streaking down the field, about three steps ahead of his defender. And Carson Wentz placed the ball in the man's hands. You cannot ask for a more prettier pass. I don't think Carson Wentz has probably thrown a prettier pass. It was prettier than the one from last week that John Hightower dropped. Well, the results of this pass from last week and the pass from yesterday, same. This time the ball hit off of John Hightower's hands and it fell to the turf. Now, Hightower went down kind of weird, wonky, kind of might have hurt himself a little bit on the play. But really kind of set the tone for the Eagles offense in the first half. That was it. That was the tone setter. Uh, the Ravens would go on to score a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, and they would also score a touchdown in the second quarter. So the Ravens were up 14 to nothing, getting deeper into the half. Actually, they 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 were able to get up, up to 17 nothing. And then the Eagles were basically on life support. Down 17-0, coming to the end of the first half. They, be, they, they began to incorporate Jalen Hurts into their offense. Now, at the, up to this point in the latter stages, and when I say latter stages of the first half, I mean with about six minutes to go in the second quarter. The Eagles had yet to record a first down as a team on offense. So they decided to incorporate Jalen Hurts on this in particular drive, and it actually began to make things happen. The defense was kind of confused. They were – Confused about the role that Jalen Hurts was playing. Sometimes he was a decoy. Other times he was the, the the guy. All right. So the Eagles moved the football down the field. But then the draw the drive stalled. And then getting towards the end of this of the half, Jake Elliott is called upon to kick a 54-yard field goal. Jake Elliott missed a 54-yard field goal. Jake Elliott has now missed two critical field goals this season. Actually, three if you want to go back to week one. Starting to wonder what's going on with Jake Elliott. So heading into halftime, the Eagles were down 17-0. Now, a lot of people, to include myself, thought that the second half would be a carbon copy of the first. The offense was not going anywhere. We were all wondering, are we going to see more of Jalen Hurts? Or are we all going to wonder, you know, what are we going to see here? So the Eagles actually had a good stand. Uh, the Ravens went three and out. And they got the ball back. And then the Eagles were able to actually do something but um, and actually get a touchdown. Uh Carson Wentz moved the moved the chains, moved moved the team down down the field, and they scored a touchdown. Now this was the Miles Sanders play. This was the play that Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders again broke off a run as the team was driving. Uh, it covered seventy four yards, and then as he was going into the end zone, the ball was stripped, but it was recovered in the end zone by JJ Arthur. Go Whiteside. 
So a gift, two gifts actually, another long run and an actual fumble recovery in the end zone. Eagles down 17-6. So what does Doug do? Well, Doug Peterson decides to herd to send out his two-point conversion team. Again, the other narrative this week has been whether or not Doug is now overcompensating for being considered um, too aggressive. Now, the two-point conversion fails, and that's 17-6, all right? So, again, we got Doug Peterson chasing, chasing points. I mean, he's chasing them. All right? There was no need in that, in that type of situation for him to go for two. He should have kicked the field goal. So, then Baltimore pretty much gets the ball back, goes right down the field, and Lamar Jackson brushed off probably the prettiest play of his day was a 37-yard run right up the gut of our defense for a touchdown. 24-6, heading into the fourth quarter, okay? But here come the Eagles, right back. Uh, a great drive um, down the field, highlighted by a fourth down catch to a man by the name of Jason Kroom, who was signed off the practice squad, uh, I think, three weeks ago. In the corner of the end zone, uh Carson kind of scrambled around, created time, created space, found Kroom, 24-12. This time, a two-point conversion is successful, 24-14. Now the Ravens kind of began to slug down a little bit. The Eagles were bending, but they weren't breaking. They were allowing big plays, but they weren't allowing touchdowns. Um, the Ravens were able to tack on six more points through field goals and hold a 30-14 to lead. Which at that time seemed like it was the death. It was that's all that was required. You know what I mean. So we're getting deep into the into the fourth quarter, and and I'm and when I say deep, I mean about five minutes to go and less. Here come the birds. Carson Wentz, Travis Fulgham, eighteen yard touchdown, two point conversion successful, thirty to twenty two. Carson Wentz one yard rush up the gut. On the one-yard line, touchdown, 30-28. to 28. Let's talk a little bit about that last play. That last play was actually snapped at the two, right after coming out of the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter. So here, here's the scenario. Eagles are looking at a, um, a first, a second down and goal on the, on the Raven one. Two minutes remaining. The Eagles had one timeout left. Eagles score the touchdown, make it 30-28. to 28. Doug elects to go for the two-point conversion, obviously, right? The play that was called was a zone read to Boston Scott, okay? Now, I also want to paint a picture. By this point in the game, the Eagles starting offense consisted of, or I should say the Eagles starting offense was without the first string running back, their starting left tackle, who was a reserve to begin with, the guy that came in to replace the left tackle was out. The left guard was out. The right guard was out. The third string other right guard was out. The right tackle was out. All top three of their wide receivers and all and, and their top three tight ends. That was what was on the field when the Eagles went to execute that two-point conversion. 
The Eagles lost Miles Sanders. They lost Zach Ertz. They lost a, a bunch of players in, in that game to go along with whoever was hurt to begin with. So they go for a zone read. Now, if you watch the play, and I and I invite everybody to go on YouTube and search it out, it's it's there. It's, again, kind of like the Nate Geary play from last week, right? We're talking – this was a play that the ball was snapped. It looked like, to me, the, the players involved, Carson Wentz, Boston Scott, were confused on who was supposed to get the ball. Because if you see it, Carson Wentz looks like he's holding on to it, but to fake it, but then it looks like Boston Scott is getting ready to receive it. But then he realizes at a certain point that he's not supposed to get it, and he lets go. Well, suffice to say, the play was a disaster. Two-point two point conversion failed. End of the game, basically. Eagles lose 30-28. Now let's, let's kind of transition to the narrative of the moral victory. I am all about that. I am all about a gutsy performance by a team that was just so, completely un, you know overmatched, completely really kind of didn't deserve to be on the field on the same field with the Baltimore Ravens. I do. I, I, I completely feed into that. I, and I, I've been a party to it on this as a fan of this team. But what I don't feed into it right now is the fact that the fact that basically I, there's something I want to hang my hat on and be like, you know what? It's going to be okay because we were able to hang with the Ravens because of you know, we're able to hang with the Ravens because we were so depleted and we almost won. That's bullshit. It's bullshit, man. <clears throat> Good teams, championship caliber teams, <clears throat> find ways to win games like yesterday. Hence, that's why the Baltimore Ravens won. They found a way when they weren't playing their best, when they weren't playing well, when they let an inferior team hang around, that at the end of the day, they found a way to win that game. That's what good teams do. Bad teams find a way to lose those games. And that's what the Eagles did. Okay? That is what the Eagles did. They lost the game because that's, they are a bad football team and they deserve to lose that game. So we can we can kind of hang our hat on that moral victory all you want, but I'm not buying it. All right? I'm not buying it. Carson Wentz is a gamer. Carson Wentz took a beating yesterday. Or, sorry, Monday. Or Sunday. <laughs> he took a beating. But at the end of the day, the game ended and the Eagles lost. Dropping us to a 1-4-1 record. And here we are, or here I sit Tuesday evening. Uh, we got a game in 48 hours. That's right. The Eagles will be on national, national television to play the New York football Giants, who finally got their first victory this weekend uh, by beating the Reds, Washington football team. Now, what's life looking like in the NFC East right now? Well, I'm going to tell you. The Eagles are still sitting firmly in second place. Uh, the Cowboys went out last night and got shellacked by the Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinal or so the Cowboys are sitting at two and four in first place. The Eagles are firmly entrenched in second place at one, four, and one. And then you got the Giants at one and five, and then the, and then the football team at one and five. So as this pig division continues to drag drag on, our playoff chances continue to stay alive. And that is what the most disgusting part of all this is to me. You know that I feel that this thing is was destined for failure from the beginning. And the Eagles are holding up their end of the bargain. 
But because this division is so bad, because we play in such a weak division, there is a chance, a good chance, that the Philadelphia Eagles, after the next three weeks, because the next three weeks the Eagles play the Giants twice and the Cowboys, the Eagles could find themselves sitting at 4-4-1 and in first place in the NFC East. They could be. Which, to me, is pathetic. Ladies and gentlemen, if we were to win this division, and I don't care if we won it at 6-9-1, 7-8-1, God forbid, 5-10-1, a top 10 draft pick that we have earned <laughs> this year would go away because we would receive the seeding of a playoff team and a division champion. So just my luck, or just our luck, Philadelphia, that we would get cheated out of a potential top five draft pick because we won the pig NFC East. So that's been another narrative. Should the Eagles be excited about the fact, or should the Eagle fan base be excited about the fact that the Eagles are in the race in the NFC East? Should they be so they look aside from all the problems that we're having on the with the lack of talent, lack of depth, and again the injuries that are right now epically piling up on this team. Should we look aside of all that and be like, you know what? Let's focus on the season. Let's focus on going out there and, and handling our business and winning football games and winning this division. I don't. I, I think it's ridiculous. We cannot fix this problem until the problem is fully identified. Now, I, I've, you know, and, and I am a little upset this weekend or this week because, again, I, I don't going through this process with the Eagles and, and, and accepting what the Eagles were, what I believe the Eagles were many, many those many months ago, does not relieve me of my duty as a fan. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have to sit here on a week-to-week basis and basically watch them go out there and give it their game and be gamers and then lose. That's obviously not what I want. But I'm looking big picture. The trading deadline is coming up here in about a week and a half. The injuries continue to pile up. The competition is going to get a little bit less, I guess, less fierce than what we just went through. But there's another gauntlet coming. The season is not over. It's not over by a long stretch. And at 1-4-1, and and in the NFC East in 2020, it is not over at all for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we got a lot to talk about. This is going to be an interesting week for me here on the pod. I will be actually be back tomorrow. So tomorrow, let's talk about that real quick. I was able to get an interview set up, and I'm going to have him on the pod tomorrow with a man who um, symbolizes everything to me about Philadelphia sports. A man who grew up in the same generation that I did, grew up in the same streets that I did. And has gone on to be a, a iconic figure and a very relevant figure in the Philadelphia sports media scene. WIP's 
uh, and the a, a adjunct professor at Temple University. Uh, and Rob Ellis will join me tomorrow. Uh, Rob's going to sit down and spend about thirty minutes with me, and I'm going to get I'm going to get Rob's story real quick because really what I want to ask Rob is basically what has gone what has gone wrong with our major sports teams in the city. What is the what is the problem? What is the what is the the virus, so to speak, to use a 2020 term, that has inflicted our sports teams? And why as a fan base are we now making excuses for it and clinging to false narratives and false hope? So that's coming up tomorrow. Cannot wait for that. It's going to be super exciting. I, 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 I'm putting together my notes as we speak. And then I'm going to come right back at you here on Thursday night and rock the Eagles pregame show. And Kyle Quinn will be on with me and we'll talk more about the Giants and we'll talk more about this week's game. And um, as the Eagles get ready to do a primetime matchup with the uh, with the New York Giants down at the link. So a um, lot coming up on the pod. Stay with me. Things are great. Things are moving. Things are Things are grooving. And uh, we got a lot more good stuff coming up. So I will talk to you guys later. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, take care. I thought that I was over you, but it's true, so true. I love you. Thank mm-hmm. you.